Welcome to Goalie Field, the Premier League podcast of the Play Call Network. I'm one of your hosts, Will Muckian, and along with host at large Connor Hardy and a few guests here and there, we'll be bringing your English soccer news in bi-weekly stints. Let's go. You're listening to a Holyfield podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of Goalie Field, the premier soccer podcast on the Play Call Network. Uh, with me today is Akshat Singhal. I am your host, Will Muckian, and let's get a little bit of knowledge, a little insider information on who Mr. Singhal is. Um, well, one, thanks for having me on. I know we've been trying to get this going for a while. Uh, I'm a Chelsea fan, unfortunately, probably for you. <laughs> um, I've been a Chelsea fan for, I'd probably say, I don't know, five or six years. It was funny because in the beginning when I first started watching soccer, I hated Chelsea. And I don't know why. It was just one of those things where all my friends were Chelsea fans. So I just wanted to go against the grain, I guess. Um, gotcha. Hated Chelsea. But then Eden Hazard, who's my favorite player, um, I don't know. I just started watching him and just naturally became a Chelsea fan that way. That's understandable. He has a way of doing that. Yeah. So that's my little highlight all right, so what would you say has been, as a Chelsea fan, your favorite part of the season so far? You know, it's funny. When I saw that question, I was kind of going back through the schedule and trying to find that one highlight win. And there really was only one highlight win for Chelsea this year. And it was <laughs> that 2-0 win over City back in December. Because everything else, every other win that they have is pretty much beaten up on all the lower table teams which kind of sucks every other hey I'm, at least you're getting points where you're supposed to get points i mean that's nice and all but it's chelsea and you'd expect them yep. to beat some of the other like top top of the table teams eventually or occasionally when it's really only happened once this year they did beat arsenal early in the year but i don't really consider them top of the table so yeah, second game of the season. Both teams were kind of figuring themselves out. Um, yeah, I, I, not a lot of emotional impact in a win like that. I would, I would agree with you. Um, so now that the listeners have gotten to know you a little better, I thought we'd dig into some of the information most relevant to someone of your background, uh, someone of your Chelsea fandom. Uh, we're going to start with something that Connor and I have covered a lot on this podcast, something very near and dear to the hearts of the goalie field hosts and that is this question is david luis the worst center back in the premier league i don't want to answer that yeah i, I mean he's probably realistically the, no yeah well he's probably the like, worst big name center back yes I mean, i'm sure i'm sure there's worse ones out there but you know is David Luis the Carmelo Anthony of center backs? Oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't feel like it's the worst analogy. No, and it's I, not. It makes me it really sucks. sad. <laughs> um, so, just for some context, uh, his contract expires this June, which will end a nearly three-season second stint for Chelsea. Um, he played for Chelsea, took a break, went over to the farm league Liga Un. Played for PSG um, and came back to Chelsea in 2016 for 34 million pounds. Kind of, you know, something that was supposed to be 
a heralded move, and this year especially, he's been almost nightmarish. So, you know, I don't know about getting into the tactical nitty-gritty of it all. Uh, Chelsea's had a lot of different managers, and that would require a lot of time to dissect managerial styles. But what do you think is going wrong for David Luiz? I, I want to say it's just age. Because at some point, his style, being that box-to-box center back, mm-hmm. when you get older, you think that, I guess, the stamina, the just the ability to do that, the athleticism isn't quite there anymore. And I think there's that stat that you had said on my podcast, um, which I'm shamelessly plugging here, um, <laughs> a few a couple weeks ago that he had been directly responsible for something like 60 some or 70 some percent of goals which, uh, yeah i think it was like 65 percent of chelsea's conceded goals yeah which is absurd and I, I think a lot of that also just comes with his style um being a box-to-box guy means he's probably gonna get caught out of position on defense occasionally And in the past, he had the athleticism to make up for being out of position. And I don't think that's Mm -hmm. there anymore. Um, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, He had some some plays in my favorite moment of the season. Um, The the, uh, the game, as I will refer to it (laughs) henceforth. Um, For those of you that aren't caught up to speed, uh, Akshat's podcast, Hit Singal, we had a little friendly discussion about the Bournemouth 4-0 defeat of Chelsea and David Luiz's name came up in conversation there as well <laughs> so I would I would also encourage you guys to check that out yes please um, do yes um, but yeah that, that high pressing style you know like, like we said he's had different managers and different styles and he's had to learn to play uh with different amounts of men in the back and different amounts of support. And he's just been asked to do a lot of different things and not a lot of time at 31 years old. And as they say, can't teach a new old dog, new tricks almost had that saying entirely backwards. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he comes back on a reduced, heavily reduced, I would think salary, or if maybe his time in the prem is at a close. Yeah. I, I, if he can come back on a discounted rate, great. Um, but at his current rate, I I would probably be happy to see him go because this year yeah. has just been a comedy of errors. Yeah, I, I can't blame you for feeling that way. Uh, speaking of people directly responsible for Chelsea's conceded goals, <laughs> we're going to talk about another expensive transfer, Kepa Arizabalaga. Um, at the time of recording, March 3rd, uh, the news about Kepa's tiff with sorry has staled you know it's it's old news at this point but Kepa came out after his one game suspension had a great game against Fulham at Craven Cottage pretty key saves against Alexander Mitrovic and had a lot of praise from sorry after the match but one comment from sorry that kind of stuck out to me was that he had considered dropping Kepa from the squad entirely for the remainder of the season um, do you feel like that's something we should be keeping an eye on, or do you feel like everything is kind of water under the bridge for this point at between the two? Um, I think it's, I think it's water under under the bridge. At least I hope it is, because mm-hmm. I don't think this Chelsea team needs any distractions when they're already kind of sleepwalking or limping their <laughs> way to the end. Um, 
but I, I saw something interesting that um, apparently Sari in that match had already planned on pulling Keppa if that had gone to PKs, hmm. which it did. Okay. Uh, but I guess that was a pre-planned move, um, and Keppa was just not told about it, which I guess is a communication issue that probably shouldn't happen. But either way, Keppa probably should have taken it in stride, or at least. Yeah. I would hope that a player of his caliber would take something like that in stride because I'm sure that won't be the first time when he has to face a difficult decision or something that he disagrees with. Yeah, and so it wasn't as though the Kepa decision was necessarily performance-based, right? He It wasn't something that he should have taken as a slight, but more of a game-planning thing. Yeah, so I think uh, Willie Caballero, who Sari wanted to bring on, he spent the last three, four years in Manchester City. So I think he wanted to make that move as a kind of like a game planning thing where Caballero knew the City players' tendencies on PKs. So uh, that familiarity would have been a bonus, Mm -hmm. uh, which I, I understand that side of it. I get why Sari wanted to make that move just did not turn out that way and then Keppa left let in a pretty soft goal in that penalty so I think it was almost kind of karma for yeah, right for going against his manager's wishes yeah yeah it does it does look bad the optics look bad after the fact but you know who knows there's a good chance it could have ended up that way either with either goalie in that. Anyway, I promise I didn't have you on just to talk trash about Chelsea. Um, we also get to talk. <laughs> no, no, I'm used to it. <laughs> we also get to talk about everybody else. And probably one of the most significant pieces of news is that the title race took an important turn this weekend. Uh, Liverpool couldn't seal the deal against Everton. Uh, nil-nil draw. Meanwhile, City scraped past Bournemouth in a game that probably should have been a greater margin than it was. It ended one-nil. Um, and this is a Bournemouth team that lost 5-1 to Arsenal last week. So I don't know. This is also a Bournemouth team that beat Chelsea 4-0. It is, yes. So. And the Bournemouth team that... Who knows what this Bournemouth team Yes. No, they are, they're hot and they're cold. So City now lead the table. They are the sole leaders. They are not tied with anyone. Um, they play Watford next week. Liverpool plays Burnley. Do you think the race stays with the margins that it's at? Or... Can City pull ahead here significantly by more than a game? What are your thoughts? I a Liverpool's got to get their shit together. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I think City might start running away with this, or I guess not running away, but you know, pulling away and making this more difficult as the weeks pass. But I, I, th- I really think this is a week where City takes a multi-game lead here. Yeah, Burnley. They've played tough. They've they've had some really good games in the middle of really bad games. Yeah, they're they're also very up and down, and it's just Liverpool is just I don't know what's going on with them right now. But they're that that match today against uh, Everton was kind of concerning. I yeah, guess. yeah. Um, I want to get I want to get into that a little bit because. I don't really know what the problem is with this team. I feel like against a team like Everton, you know, Pickford is a good goalie. He had an amazing game today. I, I, you can't fault the way he played today in goal. Um, but there were just 
they they didn't establish themselves. Liverpool, that is their offense. Salah had a really off day, and I don't know. Is it is it premature to ask if last year was just kind of a flash in the pan year? He's obviously very good, but is he, you know, is he top five player in the world? Good? I have a hard time believing that. Yeah, I was last year when he had that run. Obviously, it was a great run. Everyone enjoyed watching it, whether you're a Liverpool fan or not. Um, but then there was all these talks about is he, you know, is he in that that conversation for best player in the world? Which I think this season is kind of proving he's not. Um, and like you said, today's game against that match against Everton, he uh, he was very off. I mean, they had a few goal goal scoring opportunities where Salah had the ball in the box and either took a bad touch, made a bad pass, just in some way it turned into a play where it ended up in the goalkeeper's hand when it probably should have should have ended up in the back of the net. And yeah, it's weird when you're the guy who was kind of the the catalyst of their season last mm-hmm. year has just been I won't say missing because he's still been fine, but you know he's not been that player that he was last year. Yeah, I I'll get into this a little later. I am wary to talk trash about Salah because the last time I did, he went out and demolished Bournemouth. Um, but I, that's <laughs> we'll get to that later in the podcast because that's something that's a larger point I want to bring up. Um, but yeah, I thought I was I didn't get to catch the game in real time, but I did was able to catch the extended highlights uh, before we recorded and. One thing that really stuck out to me was just how well Everton's fullbacks defended him. Um, mostly, Lucas Digne was drawing solid just positionally. That's where they line up. Um, but Coleman had a really good play where Sala was taking it into the box uh, off this lofted ball, and Coleman catches it on the bounce and just kind of puts his leg around Sala without actually fouling him and flicks it away from goal. And it was one of those plays where you're like, oh, wow, like that could have very easily been very bad for Everton. And it's just kind of a heady, reactionary play that if you got guys that can make those plays against some of the best players in the world, you're in a pretty good position. So it was interesting. I don't think of Everton as a team like that. Yeah, it was there was definitely some very good defending, um, but it was just also plays where last year you saw Salah finish those oh, yeah, or sure. make the right pass. Yeah. And, uh this year, that final touch just hasn't seemed to be there for him. Yeah, it's been heavy, um, which is yeah, which is weird for a guy that size. You don't expect that to be a problem, but yeah, who knows? Um, speaking of slumps, Tottenham, the team of our dearly beloved co-host Connor Hardy, have been in a little slump Boo. of their own. Um, and I waited until he was not on the podcast to record this episode. I also waited to have like a. <laughs> significant enough sample size to make this point um but the spurs slump has started coincidentally perhaps with the return of harry kane so let me let me just read you i i did my research for once i hardly ever do this for the podcast (laughs) since since harry kane returned to the spurs lineup spurs have not won a game They have one point in three matches. That point came most recently against Arsenal in a 1-1 draw. They lost 2-0 versus Chelsea, 2-1 versus Burnley. The only Spurs player to score since Kane's return is Kane himself, who had a goal apiece, Arsenal and Burnley. 
here's an extra note because you could chalk it up to maybe they're just struggling in general maybe this the, the team's just bad no i i would actually dis disagree with that tottenham's final game before kane's return was a 3-1 win pretty significant capping a four win run without kane as a starter they won every single game when kane sat so goal scores over that four game period Harry Winks, one goal. Deli Ali, one goal. Fernando Llorente. Is it Llorente or Llorente? I never know. I think it's... I don't know. I've always said Llorente. I didn't do that much research. I might be wrong on that. <laughs> so uh, we'll keep moving. Uh, Davinson Sanchez, one goal. Christian Eriksen, one goal. Son Hyung Min, one goal. Or one goal. Three goals. So he's been a monster playing up top. Uh, the Times.co.uk actually had a headline that prompted me to look into this Harry Kane's return blunts Tottenham's other weapons I'm wondering with all of this data that I've just spewed at you where do you land on that <laughs> on this on either side of that question uh, I think there is an element to where when you have a player of Kane's caliber re returning you try to force him back into the um, flow of the offense mm -hmm. But in doing so, you actually take yourself out of the flow. Um, and I I don't want to use this analogy, but I kind of think of it as like the Celtics, the NBA, mm -hmm. um, with and without Kyrie. Okay. Uh, I, I, I like they're still a good team with Kyrie, I think. I mean, they just lost by a bunch today, so <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> um, but. I, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie last year, and I think going back to Tottenham, without Harry Kane, they're able to distribute the ball a little bit better. Um, and I don't think Tottenham's worse with Kane. I think this current slump is more of just trying to force it to him, and it's kind of ruining their flow. I think they just need to let it happen naturally, and maybe that'll get their goal scoring back. And if that... Even if that means Harry Kane himself isn't scoring, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not doing much. It just, when you have that many weapons and when you have that many players who can score, uh, I think it's a better idea to just kind of play within your offense, okay. play within your flow. Yeah, I think we, we actually had a similar discussion, I believe, when I appeared on your podcast and we were talking about City and just they were kind of stumbling a little bit at the time and obviously they've since figured it out. But the struggle, whether it's managerial or just with players figuring each other out, of putting that much talent on the field at the same time and the shuffle that can happen when you take a player, whether that's Kane or at the time we were talking about De Bruyne, in or out of the lineup, players have to learn how to shape themselves and and things change and you have to the things that worked last week suddenly look a lot different this week um one thing i thought was interesting about your Kyrie analogy and i i don't want to get too far down into this basketball rabbit hole here but there's been some stats that show the celtics with Kyrie are a positive team most players play well when he is on the floor in games that he starts when he comes off the field the floor sorry i'm still in soccer mode when he comes off the floor <laughs> the players struggle but when he doesn't play at all the players are also positive so when he sits the entire game or when he's on the field he's generally enhancing the play cool. but when he comes off so i think it, 
it lines up a little bit with what you're saying here of these guys get used to a certain style of play. They were missing Kane for four games, basically a month. And they started to find a flow and they things were clicking and like you said they were passing the playmaking was on point Kane's a target man he's not a guy who's going to set something up he's not a Lionel Messi he's not going to sit back and and create the play he's the finisher and so I think they were playing with a little more fluidity when he was out and now they can see if that fluidity still works I think like you said they are trying to force it through this target man system maybe a little more than they have to yeah I mean, it's. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Yeah. There's not really that much time left in the season to do so, but they've they've been fine with him in the past. I think it was just like you said, when you're when you go without a player for a month in practice and in games, you start learning how to play a certain way. Yeah. And now I, now you're just uh, now they're kind of in this mode where he's back and they have to go back to their old ways it's a shame that you're so sensible because i was fully prepared to go into this podcast and throw <laughs> out like oh harry kane's just like the british olivier Giroud," um and now <laughs> oh. i feel like i can't do that because we don't talk trash about my chelsea strike we've had oh yeah it chelsea keeps coming track. back to that doesn't it um but <laughs> it you know now we had the a reasonable and logical discussion so i feel like i i would be remiss to do something like that i would never say anything like that <laughs> to connor <laughs> Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, okay, so one thing that I briefly mentioned earlier about Salah coming out and smoking Bournemouth after he heard me talking poorly about him on our podcast is the the goalie field curse. Um, I've, I'm really beginning to think that starting this podcast was a horrible idea on my part because I'm realizing a pattern. In the past, when I've talked trash about a team or a player – that team or player often comes out and smokes Bournemouth in their next encounter. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you some, some interesting scenarios here. Early in the season, I said Burnley were a relegation-worthy team. They, they, not only did they not deserve to make Europa League, but they also had just fallen off the wagon in a big way. They weren't prepared to stick around in the league. They were focused too much on European play. Yada, yada, yada. I kind of lit into them. Well, <laughs> lo and behold, they should come out and just dismantle Bournemouth 4-0. Uh, I've talked about that defeat a lot. It haunts me. It embarrasses me. Um, I shy away from telling people that I'm a Bournemouth fan because I fear they'll bring up that defeat. Later in the season, that's fair. I believe it was close to the middle of the season because Connor and I tried to schedule it logically. We were doing first and second team all Premier League. Um, I perhaps foolishly, though I stand I stand by this decision, left Mo Salah off of the first team All-Prem. He had not been playing at a high level at the time. We've kind of discussed how he's had a bit of a down year. And did I put Callum Wilson on the first team? Yes, I did, because he was doing rather well. Um, he was... No bias No at all, bias right? at all. He was, I think, top five in the league in goals scored, and he was like top 10 in assists or something like that so he was he was really having a genuinely good season um fast forward a few days Mosala comes out against Bournemouth scores a hat trick Liverpool just takes a steaming crap on Bournemouth um and I bury my head in the sand most recently and perhaps mm -hmm. most embarrassingly I went on a solo podcast a few weeks ago and in attempting to discover or defend the 
worst pound-for-pound, quote-unquote, manager in the Premier League, I targeted Unai Emery as the worst in the top six. I should have looked ahead in the schedule to see that Arsenal were playing Bournemouth and came out, and after, I believe they entered the half 2-1, the game would end 5-1 Arsenal, um, with Connor telling me that maybe Bournemouth should be worried about the relegation zone, and me kind of checking to see if I should be scared, but ultimately deciding I should not be scared. With all of this in mind, I would like to commend the talents and abilities of Huddersfield Town, a team whose scoring prowess, defensive intensity, side depth, and managerial wherewithal (laughs) are unmatched in this league. I fully believe in their ability to dismantle this Cherries team and have them as my dark horse Premier League winner. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So... Fingers uh, crossed that's enough to undo it. I don't know if the curse can detect sarcasm. Um, but if, you have, if you're a superstitious person, I don't know if you are, and you'd like to get any curses off your chest, now is your time to do so. I am not a superstitious person. I don't okay. have any curses because I have been burned in the past by this. So I'm going <laughs> to stay totally quiet here. I respect and understand this decision. You're going to lose to Wolves. Um, oh, I'm Come sorry. On. I thought we sorry. were done. I thought we I were done. I I don't control the curse. Oh. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't make the make the rules here. It just happens. The podcast discovers things. All right. Well, that's the that's the meat of our content here. Um, anything you'd like to plug? I think I know what you'd like to plug, but I'll let you do it. Yeah. Uh, I've got a new podcast. It's called Hit Single. Talk about all sports not just soccer um if you want to listen to more trash talking of chelsea i do that (laughs) there too um he sure does it's great it it kills me inside but i love it um (laughs) but yeah uh listen to my podcast and keep listening to wills and everyone else is on the play call network all right so that you heard the man that is hit singal h-i-t space s-i-n-g-h-a-l um, you can follow Akshat on Twitter at asingal31, same spelling. Um, he's an Ohio State grad, which we know sucks, but he's all right. No, he's an best. okay guy. Uh, he's, rehabil- he's rehabilitated. So um, <laughs> definitely give him a listen. Give all of our podcasts a listen. Um, and I will see you guys in two weeks. All right. And go Bucks.